0: This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, a podcast where we look at today's big cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I'm Rob Pacienza, and I am joined by my co-host, John Rabe. John, so good to see you. Great to see you as always, Rob. I'm excited for another uh, excellent program
1: today. We've you, You've been with the Institute for Faith and Culture bringing in a series of guests and doing conferences, particularly down here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. And so we've really been been the beneficiaries of that because you're bringing in some really high-powered luminaries to speak to your congregation, to speak to those who come in for it. But we have an opportunity through the podcast to share them uh, nationwide and worldwide with anybody who who downloads this. And uh, today, we are going to hear from a niece of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his niece Alveda King, the the daughter of Dr. King's brother, um, is a fascinating interview she is uh somebody who comes from the King family and comes from that 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 great civil rights background. But she is now a staunch pro-life activist and a cultural conservative, which is unusual today, I would say, uh, from people who come from, um, you know, the, the the civil rights background. But I think she's recognized that the, this is really where the struggle is at now, particularly when it comes to unborn children.
0: Absolutely. Avita is a good friend of mine. She's the chair of the America First Policy. Institute Center for the American Dream and obviously you recognize that phrase the American Dream that was one of the uh, big slogans of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s um, advancement and his mission when he was leading the great civil rights movement of the 1960s he believed that the American Dream should be extended Mm -hmm. to every single American uh, not based on the color of their skin but on the content of their character and she really believes as one of the leaders of the pro life movement in america that the 21st century civil rights uh, issue and uh uh, the crisis that should be addressed by the people of God is the issue of abortion. She believes that uh, this is the next great civil rights issue of our generation and why she has committed her career and her ministry uh, and her energy to pushing back against the darkness of abortion in America. And we were just so privileged to be able to sit down with her briefly and talk about that passion uh, that God's laid on her heart.
1: Yeah, she's a delightful person, always enjoyable to talk Talk to. And it really is, uh, if, if one cares about civil rights, what could be a bigger issue? This really is a genocide that's taking place, particularly in the African-American community and abortion in the United States. The The, the figures are chilling. Um, in New York City, for instance, literally one out of every two uh, African-American pregnancies ends in abortion. Nationally speaking, the, the last year that we have good numbers for 2019, the Guttmacher Institute, which is a really a pro-abortion think tank, but they do the, the numbers and the surveys on this, they uh, say that for every 1,000 live births in the African-American community, there are well over 400 abortions, which is, again, just a, an astounding number. It rates far higher than any other a-
0: demographic. Absolutely. A- absolutely. And she's absolutely right that this is a civil rights crisis of epic proportions. And just so grateful that God's providential hand has been upon her and her life to bring her to this place where she's using her platform, her family's legacy, uh, to advance uh, such an important topic to end abortion in America, uh, to not only make it illegal, but to make it unthinkable. And so we talked about uh, a wide variety of topics. Obviously, we talked about the personal side of her life and her story, being the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, we talked appropriately about the state of race relations today in America. And, and how
1: critical race theory has Really hijacked Absolutely. her uncle's movement, where he said, I, "I I have a dream, which included the his children being judged on the content of their character, and not on the color of their skin." It's now completely reversed because of critical
0: race theory, where that's the first thing that we start with. Yeah. It talked about her pro-life stance and how she came to that place uh, as someone who was uh, pro-abortion at one point in her life and was convicted and tran- had a transformative experience and now becomes one of the leading activists in America to end abortion. Uh, and she also talked about the specifics of the uh, Roe decision uh, to end Roe uh, back in the summer of 2022 and, and what we should be doing as the church in a post-Roe America. America. America and uh, lastly we talked about uh, the importance of family uh, something that's near and dear to her and her life and why the nuclear family as God's designed it is essential for a flourishing society
1: and somehow we do all of that in 20 something minutes this is not a six-hour interview I don't even know how we do it but we get it in with her uh, that and
0: more as she's just a delightful person and a great interview absolutely so without further ado uh, here is our interview with Alveda King Dr. King, it is a pleasure to have you on the City of God podcast.
2: Well, it's wonderful to rejoin you, and it's exciting during this time in American history and the history of the world.
0: Tell us a little in our audience, a little bit about your upbringing and how God called you specifically to a life of activism.
2: I was born into a Christian family. Daddy King and Mama King, Martin Luther King Sr. and Alberta Williams King and children of African descent, Irish descent, and my mother's part Cherokee. So I'm born into a Christian family who's being taught to love, to forgive and embrace humanity in Christ. So that's my background. My grandfather convinced my mother not to abort me in 1950 when she was pregnant with me. Wow! And so she didn't and I was born. I had no idea that that was the foundation for my life as a Christian voice for life, and I did become that. I actually had a couple of secret abortions and uh, a miscarriage during my young life, and then I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in the early 1980s, and I was reminded of the call of my father, Reverend A.D. King, and my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and my uncle said that, God was his father's God. Jesus was his father's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then one day at midnight, a knock at midnight, Martin Luther King Jr. heard the voice of Jesus say, Martin Luther, stand up for truth, stand up for justice, and lo, I will never leave you or forsake you. Mm -hmm. So it seems like God grabbed me in my early 30s. Yeah. And God became real to Alveda.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Growing up in that home, growing up in that family must be just absolutely fascinating. Reminiscing about how God has used your family, how God continues to use your family. Um, Thinking about both your father and your uncle in particular during the great 1960s civil rights movement. Is there a a personal story, a personal reflection that stands out to you uh, about that time in our nation's history and how God used your family?
2: When our home was bombed in 1963, that's A.D. and Naomi King's home in Birmingham, Alabama, and I remember my dad standing on a car, and I I don't know if he had a megaphone or not, but the people wanted to riot and tear up things, and he says, no, no, please, go home. If you have to hit someone, hit me, but my family and I are okay. Please go home and pray. Now, the funny thing that happened, the people hurt my daddy. And the people who lived in the community went home. So the outside agitators who had come to our town to disrupt were exposed. And the same thing happened when my uncle was killed. My daddy, I wanted to hate white people. Mm. White people killed my uncle, daddy. White people killed Uncle ML. Daddy said, White people didn't kill my brother, they didn't kill your uncle. We're one blood. Acts seventeen twenty six. he began to go back to that lesson, one blood and one human race. He said, the devil killed my brother. Wow. And he says, we're going to have to pray, we're going to have to forgive, and we're going to have to love each other. And one of his brother's famous quotes, we must learn to live together as brothers— I let as sisters and not perish together as fools. So that lesson of love and forgiveness and to embrace people as brothers and sisters and to forgive that has stayed with me my whole life.
1: It seems grievous Alvita, that in the, the 50 plus years now since your uncle's assassination and since that period where we had, it seems, real growth in this country in terms of racial reconciliation. And you see now polls that show that where uh, more and more people were beginning to say that, that uh, you know, that race relations were good in America. You see now in a graph over the past five to 10 years where it's diverged again. And and, and people of all races think that things are, are really bad. Your uncle spoke of a day when, you know, his children, his grandchildren would be judged according to the content of their character, not according to the color of their skin. And yet, we seem to exist in an era now where, uh, for the the, the partisans of, of critical race theory and ideologies like this, where your race is not only important, your skin color is not only important, it's the most important thing about you. It, it, is, it, is it grievous to see this sort of complete overturning of what it was that that your uncle and your family was talking about
2: well this is the problem we see the word race and skin color or ethnicity as interchangeable there's really only one human Amen. race mm. there's no such thing as separate races and so when I, I try to get people i say don't say your race and my race the race says say the human race and i'm looking at various translations of the bible And some of them are really beginning to clear that up Mm -hmm. and to say, see each other as one blood, one race. My uncle preached it, my granddaddy preached it, my daddy preached it, because granddaddy's uh, grandfather, Nathan Branham King, was Irish. And Big Mama's parents were black slaves. Mm-hmm. Mama's daddy was part Cherokee. So we're one blood and one race. That's why critical race theory can be such an issue or a problem, because we'll go to fight over skin color, mm-hmm. which is ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So getting us to understand that. And every time we answer with that point, uh, we have a saying over at our AFPI, CRT is racist, period. Well oh, um, what do you mean it's racist? Well it's Marxist, it's socialist. It divides us by skin color and say that we're not human beings. We're different races. So we have to teach that.
1: Okay. To teach. And, and and again with your what your uncle the, the such a famous statement that the, the the content of our character, character rather than the, the color, color of our, of our skin, skin. We're losing complete sight of the content of character now, aren't we? Well, when we look at the character of a person
2: who is kind, loving, uh, forgiving, and who's reaching out and serving, those are the points and the qualities that we have to consider. Mm. That's content of character. Amen. Righteousness and justice, appear on the same line in the Bible often. So you've, justice must have righteousness as well, and that goes far beyond ethnicity or skin color. Yeah, I
0: want to uh, pick, uh, go back to something you said. You said your grandfather, your father, your uncle preached.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They were ministers of the gospel. Yeah.
2: Ministers of the gospel first. First.
0: And what's interesting, though, one of the things that we often talk about in our ministry here at both the church and the media ministry is the influence of Christianity throughout history. And it really is the Judeo-Christian roots of our nation. And what what's the Judeo-Christian worldview say concerning humanity? That we're all created in the image of God. In, in the likeness of God. Absolutely. And I know that that is what has influenced and impacted and informed your family for decades now to fight for human rights, to fight for the civil rights of humanity, whether it was in the 1960s, uh, fighting for African-Americans in this nation, or your fight to protect the unborn. It's all driven out of that conviction that we are all created in God's image. We are. And one thing about it, my uncle, my daddy, grandmother,
2: grandfather, all of us, we don't push our belief down people's throats but we say we're not telling you that you have to be a Christian we want to tell you what Jesus did for us And as we begin to approach our own testimony, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We don't apologize for our Christian testimony. But what we try to do is to present it in such a real manner of servant leadership, of repentance, of forgiveness, of kindness. And when we present that, it's our desire in our family that people will see that and want whatever that light is that they see.
0: So God used your family in the 20th century Mm -hmm. to fight for the civil rights of the African-American community. Let's fast forward to the 21st century. God is still using your family and God is particularly using you to still fight for rights, but to fight for the rights of the unborn. I've been with you multiple times where you have even said that the, the fight against abortion is the new civil rights crisis. How has God led you to that conviction and Why are you dedicating your life and your calling to this pro-life issue?
2: My conviction came first for me in the 20th century as well. And uh, prior to the early 1980s, I was a feminist, I had had abortions, and I was a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body, which is true, but the baby's not her body. Mm -hmm. So where's the lawyer for the baby? Mm -hmm. And so as that realization began to come to me in the 80s into the 90s, I began to say a woman has a right to choose. What she does with her body. The baby's not her body. Where's the lawyer for the baby? How can the dream survive Mm. when we murder our children? And I would ask the question louder and more and more frequently. And then right at the turn of the century, I think it was in 1999, I met a man, Pastor Frank Pavone. Mm. And he's preaching pro-life at a meeting. I'm preaching the Ten Commandments. We shook hands, and it was like, wow, all this message goes together. We've got to look at life from the womb to the tomb and now beyond. So when we began to put all of that together, we, rem- we realized that the civil rights of the baby were being overlooked in favor of the rights of the mother. And we said, you've got to find a way to serve that mother, but not kill that baby, and then invite the father back to the table. Mm -hmm. And that's the civil rights issue of this century.
1: Wow. Such a powerful statement. The The baby's body is not the mother's body. That's not part of her body, and that's the key to all of this. It seems to me, too, that when you frame it as a civil rights issue, and I completely agree with you, it's often overlooked, particularly in the mainstream media, how devastating the phenomenon of abortion is to specifically the African American community. And what they overlook beyond that is that it's really by design. When we start to look back at at Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and who they targeted then, who they target today, is it too strong to say that there is, in essence, a, a genocide being perpetrated on the African American community? In this century, I guess about
2: this decade, Planned Parenthood admitted that its founder, Margaret Sanger, was a socialist, a racist, and a Marxist. Mm-hmm. She she really was. She spoke to the Ku Klux Klan, the women of the Klan. She put the clinics and everything in black communities. The Negro Project and the Tuskegee Project, those were projects that were— put into the black community to minimize the births of our babies. And so this truth did come out recently, and, but you know, they're such good marketers that they're trying to mm. scramble and cover all that up. But part of the agenda of abortion was to lower the numbers of births of blacks and other minorities in America. That has been exposed. Mm.
0: Interesting. You know, we're, we're recording this podcast and we're a few months removed from the epic landmark decision to uh, to overturn Roe at the United States Supreme Court through the Dobbs decision. How would you describe the state of the pro-life movement today in America, particularly in light of that landmark decision?
2: I would urge the listeners and the viewers to please go and watch the film that our executive produced called Roe v. Wade, Mm. how that terrible law was pushed through the Supreme Court, that decision, and abortion became legal in America. And on January 22nd, 1973, that was my birthday. I was born on January 22nd of 51. And so abortion became legal Mm. without restrictions after a while in America. And so it was bad law, because during the time I had my abortions, there was no real ultrasound, Mm. the first ones. Later, when I was about to abort another one, I saw an ultrasound, and I realized it was a baby, and I said, I can't do that. That's a human being. That's a person. Mm. But we did not know. There are thousands upon thousands of testimonies in amicus briefs before the courts, mine is in many of them, about how abortion has hurt women, not just kill baby, but hurt women and hurt society. So there were so many issues that could not be considered at the time. So... The Supreme Court rightly and righteously said, send this back to the states for re examination. We did not have enough information. So, abortion is still today, as we speak, legal in America. And so, there again, they lied, oh, wow, if it's reversed, they're going to put you back in chains. You've got to go to the back alley. None mm. of that has happened. Sure. But it's causing us to raise our awareness and re-examine the hurt and harm that has been done to America and the world through legal abortion.
1: As a pro-life activist now in this post-Roe and and post-Dobbs era, as you said, this returns it back to the states. It's still legal. Some states have more restrictions. Some states have fewer restrictions. Uh, Chemical abortion is becoming more and more the abortion of choice for uh, women around the country. What do you find is The most powerful, persuasive uh, tactic that you have and that we have to convince people uh, in this battle for hearts and minds now, now that we have the opportunity to make it illegal if we win enough people over, how do we do that? How do we open eyes? How have you found that people respond best to this pro-life message? Let me speak first to chemical abortion. Yes, please. That is the most heinous
2: form of abortion, with the mother having taken those chemicals or pills. She is alone Mm. at that time. Most excruciating pain and experience a woman can have. And then to see her own child, and I I, I hesitate to say it, but if she's in her bathroom, that Mm. product, she does all of that alone alone. Mm. And so we've got to remind everyone that there is a more humane opportunity. There's a better way to serve humanity without killing anyone. And the best way to do it is with a podcast, with an interview, Mm. with information, with pastors. Sure not being afraid to say there is help for you. Yeah, There are good opportunities and choices. Yep. You have more than one choice.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we also often forget that. I need to be reminded constantly as a pastor, we, we, we can't, simply condemn abortion and not provide as the people the of God, alternative help. assistance, yes. help and support. Yes. I mean, that's what you've always said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just mentioned it from womb to tomb. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We are pro life from beginning to end. But every person. And we've got to communicate and... and, and not only assisting the moms, but thinking about adoption, supporting adoption agencies in our community and our neighborhood. It's just, it's a really critical time. And one of the things I'm always reminding our people, this is not a time to be complacent. Celebrate the victory at the United States Supreme Court, but realize that's just the battle. The war has not been won. And
2: the serving continues. They're wonderful. The Pregnancy care centers are real strong, and now the maternity homes are coming back. Uh, Lori's house, Auntie Angie's house, there are many of those. The maternity home, where that mother and that child can be served, the dad can be invited in to participate, the community, and to
1: rebuild, to restructure. Mm. Absolutely. It really seems to me, Dr. King, that we are having, we're sort of once again having this experience of women under attack. And, and this case, it's now happening uh, on the part of those who claim to be advocates for women. But you, yeah. you talked about the chemical abortions. Imagine uh, a woman being told that this is something that is is compassionate and helpful to her and going through that experience at home in her bathroom. Uh, now we can't even seem to define what a woman is. So we, <laughs> have, uh, we have laws that protect women and that set certain things, certain opportunities aside for women. And now men who claim to be women get to fill those opportunities. Uh, It it, it seems like we're taking steps backwards when it comes to uh, taking care of women in America, not forwards, as some would would have us believe. There's a famous entertainer, I can't think of his name,
2: and his son decided he wanted to identify as a woman, and they're taking up a crusade now Hmm. in the name of whatever they call it. And it looks so right, it looks so uh, fine and noble, but it really isn't, because that Opportunity takes away the word of God that says, be fruitful and multiply. See, Mm -hmm. it goes into the creator and procreation between that man and that woman. I have one example that I, because I happen to have met this young lady, college student in Kentucky, and she's a swimmer. I cannot, I cannot think of her name right now. Oh, goodness. But anyway, she's a swimmer, and there was a man who had self-identified as a woman, and they were in contest in a swimming contest. And they tied. As strong as he was against her, they tied. They said to the young lady when she won, well, you don't get a trophy, you don't get an interview." We're going to mail you yours. Go away. We're going to give it to this man who is now identified as a woman, and he's going to get all of the attention. Mm-hmm. So when I asked the kids, because they want to be a champion for all that, I said, is that really fair to that young lady who actually tied? And you say to her, go away and be quiet. Why should she make that sacrifice of her victory? Why? How is that right? And so we have to see what's happening to us, and it's wrong.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the importance of family. I know family is very important to you, but it's really important to God. Absolutely. It It is the foundation of any flourishing society. Talk a little bit about how the family, as God has designed it, is under attack. But why is that should really be an important issue for the people of God in America right now?
2: Well, God actually ordained holy matrimony uh, in the book of Psalms. It tells the woman, go forth, forget your father's house. The king desires your beauty. There's another scripture in the Bible for this cause. A man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. Now, that's the definition of holy Hmm. matrimony. There's a lot of definitions of marriage out there, but (laughs) holy matrimony. Out of holy matrimony comes the opportunity for that man and woman to come together physically or sexually and have babies that they can raise in the fear and admonition of God. And so that beautiful family that God has ordained is for procreation and continuity. So everybody wants to interrupt it with all these different models and ideas and thoughts and all of that. It's directly, just like abortion is against the Word of God, so is all of these different models that are coming against holy matrimony. And then that family is supposed to nurture, to love, and to procreate. And so family should be the center of human life it really should be
1: mm. and you mentioned it a moment ago the be fruitful and multiply that really being at the heart of what uh, what male and female what sex is and yeah. what marriage is and it occurs to me that really what we see happening around us satan always wants to destroy fruitfulness That's he right. always wants to truncate our fruitfulness whether it be the the supposed or the so-called product of conception the the baby whether it be fruitful union, Between male and female, even whether it be economic fruitfulness, uh, you know, Marxism versus versus free enterprise, uh, fruitfulness is is extremely important to God. Yeah, Yeah. and and yet uh, that's the very thing in so many areas that the all of these other models go exactly against the Word of God. Yeah, that yeah. really is it. And so when we talk about that basis for the family and the basis for our beliefs, talk a little bit about how important the Word of God is to that, because, you know, we're living in what some have called a post-Christian culture, where we sort of make up our spirituality as we go along, and even Christians, quote-unquote, deconstruct their faith and uh, and rebuild it, and they're reacting against, uh, you know, this group or that group. It's too much politics, it's too much this, it's too much that. What's the importance of the Word of God and, and and going back to the Word of God when we deal with all of this? God has given us our voices, our
2: opportunities, our ability to communicate. And somebody says, well, I can't talk. My voice box is damaged. Well, you can dream. You can do other ways of expressing. We can express the Word of God from within our being. Helen Keller I don't know Mm -hmm. if anybody ever talks about Helen Keller, but she had various disabilities, but she became one of the greatest people in history with all of that. Mm -hmm. So whatever God creates, humans will say, oh, we discard you because you're not good, you're not perfect. But God has a purpose for all of us in proclaiming his goodness. And so we have an obligation because I believe, I was reading the Bible this week when Jesus said to the disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. When the women came back from the tomb, the disciples didn't want to believe it. No. And so uh, which one was it? And he says, if I don't see the holes...
0: Thomas, Thomas, doubting Thomas. Thomas, Doubling Doubling Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> if
2: I don't see the holes, if I don't see this or that. And Jesus was like, you didn't even believe them. Yeah. When <laughs> wow. they came back and told you, I'm
0: back. <laughs> yep.
2: So we have an opp- opportunity and an obligation to witness ourselves, to believe and to witness.
0: Yeah. We've talked about a lot of negative things. We've talked about racism. We've talked about abortion. We've talked about uh, gender identity. Uh, But I think the reason one of the reasons we get along so well is you are a hopeful person. Can you share with our audience? What is the hope for America?
2: When I see even my grandchildren and they try to defend some of these positions, I do want to add this one on the way out, but uh, they were like, well, if somebody thinks they're a boy, even if they're a girl or this or that, I said, you're too young to make those decisions. I said, but I need to tell you this way. If you cut anything off when you are a child and you change your mind later, it won't grow back. (laughs) Now, that's just a simple truth. So these children are children. They need time to grow, to have faith, hope, and love. The impossible dream is not really impossible because with God, all things are possible. So my hope comes from this. It comes directly from the Word of God and that the victory has been won in Jesus Christ. No matter how hard things are, how difficult they are, I believe that my Redeemer lives. So that's what keeps me going, keeps me alive. There are disappointments. There are hurts. There are things that happen. And I go and I pray. I say, God, I can't handle this, but you can. And I sat on the side of my bed recently. This really did happen. I said, God, this is just too much. Honestly, I... I just really got, you've got to do something. It was almost like God chuckled, well, I'm always doing something. You all don't connect with me. But in (laughs) weeks, this revival, is it Asbury? Mm -hmm. Uh, rose up. It rose up. And I said, yeah, you are here. You're really here. You're really here. So he's always here, no matter how difficult
0: times seem to be. Dr. King, you are such an encouragement. We we will definitely have you back on. We just scratched the surface of the things that we could talk about. Thank you. You also have a hidden talent. You are not only an author, speaker, pro-life leader, you are an incredible singer. Thank you. So we'll bring you back and talk about music and spirituals and hymns next time. Uh, But thank you for you, for how God is using you. And we are just grateful for your kingdom work in this cultural moment.
2: Thank you, Pastor.
0: Thank you for listening to the City of God podcast, which is produced in conjunction with the Institute for Faith and Culture. This is a weekly podcast. So make sure you go to our website, cityofgodpodcast.com to listen to all previous podcasts. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Make sure you watch our video version on our YouTube page. And as always, be sure that you share this podcast with family, friends, 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 or anyone who is interested in thinking about today's great cultural issues, important cultural issues from the lens of God's infallible word. I want to thank you once again for listening to the City of God podcast, and may God richly bless you.